I mean, we've got a lot of good stuff to talk about today after the Blue Jays. 3-0 win over the Mariners last night. Uh, it is Blair and Barker, by the way. I'm Jeff Blair. That's Kevin Barker. But I just got to do this before we talk about the Jays. I know you would. I have no idea what this is, but I can guess. I, I just, I, th- this, this just needs to be done. Uh, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, this happened to the Boston Red Sox in one inning last night. Mr. Kennedy. Go out there and get you some more. Get you some Ooh, more. ball drilled to left field. Back goes Verdugo. He's going to watch this one go. Jordan Alvarez. He's good. Hits one out the other oh, he'd way. Oh, he looked good in the unit, His success against Evaldi continues. That one went through the wind and left. And almost all his damage on the road Ooh. as he drives one high to that right down. This I don't even need to, I don't even need to see that. Bradley yeah, that, I gone. hate to see that. That's Over awful. I feel Astros really upset for me. A two-run shot. And the Astros take a three-to-one lead. My heart's that breaking from the bottom down. That ball down. got above the stadium. And oh, no, not another one. Oh, this is awful. Three home runs in one inning. They might be hitting last year's balls. Could be. Three home runs in one inning. Ooh, oh. Okay, that's it. That's got to be it. That's four, right? You'd think so. Four home runs in one inning. Who's Alex Gore taking somebody out? Come on, coach. Help me out a little. But, Ooh, oh, another one. Batting practice. What, did they film batting, batting practice? They must have, been. Incredible. Incredible. The Astros have pummeled five home runs Humble. in the second inning. Yeah, you hate to see that. I like Evaldi. It plays for the Red Sox. It's good. You know, this is going to be, this could be one of my, my favorite years of all time if the Red Sox and Orioles are like fighting it out for, for last place, fourth place all year long. It'd be great. That would be like one of the best baseball seasons of all time. I don't see it happening, but yeah, it would make, it would be good conversation in July. 13-4, the Astros beat the Red Sox. Astros, best team in the American League? Yes. Ooh, you didn't even think about that. Don't have to. I the only the only pushback I'd give you is the Yankees bullpen. Yankees bullpen could take the sting out of that that balance lineup for the Astros. That's the only pushback I can give you. Uh, Line, I like lineup wise, I, I just think that the Astros, uh, other than that bullpen for for the Yankees, uh, they just do things like they. You you talk about balance of lineups. You talk about using the entire field. You know, Jordan Alvarez, uh, Tucker takes those. Well, even when Tucker's struggling, the at-bats he can give you. We talk about professional at-bats. I mean, pick a guy. <laughs> That's what the Astros do. Even without Correa, even without Springer. And they are getting McCullers back at some point. It's crazy, it's crazy how good they are. And, and Justin Verlander <laughs> looks like he's 20, 25 years old. I mean, he just does. He, 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 looks, like he's, he looks like he's wound the clock back. Anyhow, we'll have plenty of time to talk about. You feel the, better? I do feel better. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do that. I, I, I derive a certain amount of energy from the pain of the Red Sox. You know, it's just, it's, it's one of those things. Uh, 3 nothing for the Jays last night. Jose Barrios was uh, terrific uh, in the win. George Springer provided all the offense. <laughs> with, with the first triple of the year for the Jays, they were Here the... In- 
the last team in baseball. If you're into exit in velocity, what was that, about 74 four miles an hour off the bat, that little first triple that they got of the season? Yeah, it was uh, it, 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 it was a lot harder when it bounced past Steven Souza than when it landed in front of really him. really is true. It's not how hard you hit it. It's where you hit it. It's where it. you hit it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, again, the story for the Jays, the starting pitching, is just – it's. I mean, I'm not a fan of saying something's in a groove necessarily, but the starting pitching, Kevin, is – I mean, I, it's it's in a groove. I can't I can't put it any other way. You look at you know all the checkpoints you have for Barrios now. Okay, only what what we say four swings and misses. That's it. Yeah. You, you got to think that's that's going to improve at some point. But two for thirteen against lefties with two walks, eighteen first pitch strikes. Uh, command to the arm side. Were you still a work in progress? But most of the boxes would be ticked if you were looking at the start and saying, "What did you need to see from Jose Barrios?" All those boxes would be ticked, maybe with the exception of swing and miss. Third, third time through, they were two for seven with walk. That's that's pretty good. Lefties, like you mentioned, they were two for thirteen with with two walks, so that's better. Uh, the the strike one, you know, it's about it, six out of ten. Six out of every ten mm-hmm. batters, that's really good. Anything above that, that's excellent. Most of your elite guys are somewhere right in that mid range of six between six and seven. Uh, for every ten, so you know he was he was right there about that. The arm side command. You know, I, I think that's explain more. Why, uh, well, I think that's more. Why my, that's important. Well, explain arm why slot, arm, arm slot. He's got the little. Now he he did for me anyway. Make a a little bit better effort to set his load a little bit more, and you could see the longer pause. And I and I think even Dan Showman mentioned that you could tell with when he took a little step back because you know he's got the side saddle thing where he starts himself and then he he'll start it and he'll stop it and that for me is just basically telling himself to get in his legs feel it and now i can go because of my how quick my arm is and Mm -hmm. and where my slots at you know his slot is not over the top it's not sidearm but it's quick and it's short and it's right in here and why he's setting the load a little bit more is to actually be able to get it out there Right, you don't want so much behind the baseball, and behind the baseball means on the side of it. Right, it's it's more of your your palm is straight up and down instead of a little bit more on top of it. And and even though he's got that three quarter arm slot, you still got to get it on top so he can command it. Uh, you know, he had the two different mile per hours with the curveball. He had the one he can get me over that looked to me like it had a little bit more twelve six break. That'll tell you. He's, Trying to get on top of that a little bit more. That 85 that he had that he can backfoot that, that's more that one seven, I would say, on the clock that you're seeing away to right. He's into left. He's he'll throw it to both sides, to both hitters. So that's that's a big deal. It's just the 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 run that he has. I know look to me like maybe he's moved a a little bit more to the middle of the of the mound. Now look, that's he he was more with the twins, more on the third base side. That don't make a ton of sense when you're a three-quarter slot guy and you flipping that thing and you want it to start strike and more of your aiming point to a right-handed hitter. It's very hard to start it at him and have it end up where you want it to go. So that's why Petey's moved him on the rubber. For me, that looks like a little work in progress. He don't really know because of his arm slot and how much that thing's break. He's been overthrowing it. That's why you're seeing some non-competitive ones, and that's why he's abusing the breaking ball. Like, he's throwing a ton of those, throw more of those than he was his fastball, which for me... It's not sustainable. Like, you you need to command the heater and then use. He, he basically didn't throw a changeup last night. I knew he threw a couple to, to some left-handed hitters, which is what you have to do. You try and take the sting out. You want some easy rollovers. That's why he's giving it to him early in counts, maybe to try and get back in counts. But, yeah, it was, you know, you, you say he was tremendous. I Me, I don't think he's there yet. 
Like I, like I, you mentioned the 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 quality. You didn't. The one thing that you didn't mention was the quality with with two strikes. When he gets with two strikes, what's he got to get you out with? That's quick. That's the one thing I for me when I watch him. If he if he, if I've seen his breaking ball enough, and I know sort of what he wants to give me, if I'm a good hitter, say I'm a left-handed hitter, and that's sort of where, you know, he's been he's been trying to force command and force spin which is why he's getting it up. And when you get it up, it's a BP heater sort of. And if you create a little down through it, you're going to create backspin. And that's why you start to hit, hit some balls harder. But it's that with two strikes. What's he got to give you? I just don't know what that is. It's, it's not the elevated heater. It's just not good enough. Don't have enough hair on it. Not all the time, anyway. Is it the sinker or two seamer? It's not much of a sinker. Like, it doesn't do the down and away it does the run that's mm-hmm. different like that run to a righty that's a good one you could start that on the inner third and have it darting a little side to side off the plate to a right it's good but if you're a left-handed hitter and i'm seeing that out of his hand that's the only question i'd have now obviously he had a really good start and he's doing some things i think we you know maybe should to look at the the Seattle's line. It's not great. Like, you you can maneuver. That's why I mentioned third time through, bottom of the order. I think only had two hits, and one of those was, was a pinch hit from Toro. Right. But that's, you know, I think that's the inning that he came out of. But he was good the bottom of the order. You got a couple of guys down there, seven through nine. One guy ain't hitting 100. Yeah. One guy's, <laughs> two guys are hitting a little over a buck 50. Like, you got to be able to get after dudes. And he had to work against the seven-hole hitter. Being left-handed, that's my point. When he gets two strikes, even with a guy it's not a great hitter. How do you get him out? And that's for me is where you're seeing him maneuver around a little bit on the on the mound when it comes to where he's standing on the rubber, how much that thing's breaking. Like there's a lot goes into this. Again, I'm picking because I think he's really good. But you want that ultimate guy? When I get the two strikes, if I'm a hitter against him, I want more of that now what? Mm-hmm. Now what am I doing? You should be able to get that because he throws enough pitches. Yeah, maybe sometimes throw too many pitches. That that's the point is is uh, I know the breaking ball's got the slurvy sweeping, and sometimes he'll yank it because he wants the back foot or he want that 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 down and away to a righty. He's trying to manipulate that, really yank it and get it out there, and that that comes with that more mechanical, methodical. I'm stopping, I'm pausing, I'm setting it, I'm now I'm lifting it, and I can get out there to get it extended because I have that three quarter little short arm thing, but I mean, I'm again, I'm picking here because he's really good. And, and to be able to take him to a whole different level, it's the little things. And that's that arm side command. And, and with two strikes, it gets better. Those two things. Huh. It was fun watching Logan Gilbert pitch. Wasn't it? Yeah. He's six, six, you know, you, you talk about, uh, we, uh, whenever you talk about guys being six, six and, and falling down the mountain, he ain't falling. He, yeah, he's forcing everything he's got down that mountain. And you can imagine a, you know, a three-quarter arm guy who believes in the heater and can use it to some quarters of the strike zone. I don't want to say all quarters because he he loves it, and it's got some hair on it. And when it's got hair on it and you're a big guy like that and you're short-arming it, that adds deception because uh, it gets – you could tell it was getting on a bunch of the Blue Jays hitters quickly. What they have? Nine punch-outs against him, which is – that's about up to par. That's that's about how it should look when you're facing a guy with that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, the the first thing I thought of is health. Man, he's he's getting it. He's getting after it a little bit with his mechanics and all those things. But yeah, that's a that's a you know that's a tough get when you're when you're a right-handed hitter and you're trying to zone up. And that up and down ball is very hard. That's where the six six. That's why everybody's 
yelling and screaming, we want that big, tall guy because as a hitter, it's very hard to tell up and down whether that's a strike or a ball. It just is because of how tall he is, how that downward tilt, that downward angle he's creating, it's very hard to tell whether that's at the belt, below the belt, or a little above the belt, and that's why you start to see some chases. And Yeah, when it comes to pitching, Seattle's, Seattle's got some guys they can throw at you. The I found it sort of interesting, at least, that in the first inning, and, you know, maybe this, I admit that I probably didn't pay as close attention to Logan Gilbert as I should have the rest of the game, but the first inning we saw right and right change-ups to Springer and Vladdy. And then he threw a change to Vladdy on Vladdy's single. That's the first hit he's given up this year uh, to a right-handed batter on the change. Uh, did that tell you anything about the way he went at about the way he went at at the Blue Jays? Like, did it did it tell you anything about what the Mariners were thinking about where Vladdy is right sort now? Sort of how you're trying to get Vladdy out. You know, even if I don't do any homework, I don't watch video. And if I'm a good pitcher and I'm watching my buddy throw to Vladdy and I'm pitching to him the next day, I don't watch any video. And I see him step out and take his little separation. Mm-hmm. swing that'll tell you he's in between something well what do you do with guys who are in between you speed them up you slow them down you speed them up you slow them down all the time you don't need to spin it to them right and that's what they're trying to do they're trying to get him going to get him to open up the front side because it looks like he's trying to create a little bit more bat speed because the lower half's not connected to the upper half there's not that separation mm-hmm. that you need to get the rubber band effect where you know good boxers have that fast twitch muscle when they get it down it's a quack it's a quack well mm-hmm. hitting's no different and you can tell Vladdy's a little in between. If I'm a good pitcher and I see Vladdy stepping out doing that, I'm going, okay, maybe I don't have to do that. Maybe if I can get after him with some hard stuff and then I can slow him down with some to speed up the bat and take the sting out of it. Maybe I can get him out front, something off the end, some weak contact. Yeah, you know, I don't think Vladdy's in a happy spot right now. I don't know what it is. And, and you know, good hitters, sometimes it's hard to tell. How many games without a home run? Nine. Last one was that first game with the, against the Guardians. Right. Just doesn't look right. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's, he's getting some good pitches to hit. I, I know it's middle away. And, and, and when you, when you're running into some good pitching like he did with the Guardians, they had some good pitching who could locate middle away, down and away. Face the Yankees who could locate middle away, down and away. They could do it with power. They did it with a bunch of right handed throwers, which is, you know, again, when I was lefty and I faced a left handed pitcher, the hardest pitch for me to hit into left center field was the ball down the way. Your mechanics with your lower half almost have to be perfect because of where you have to have your barrel. People believe you let that ball travel. Not in today's age. You throw too hard. You can't do that. You have to get it against the firm front side, and right now it just looks like he's a little in between for me. He's late. That's the one thing I do see. Now, again, this is – you'd have to flip it from the side with with a video camera and slow it down to the, to the nth degree – to actually see that. But whenever you see guys where his foul balls are going and how he's attacking off-speed pitches and how much he misses them by. Like, mm-hmm. he's missing breaking balls, Jeff, by this much. That'll tell you he's trying to generate it quicker. Like, he's trying to get it going quicker instead of just, I'm going to gather it. I'm going to do that with very – I'm going to do it very methodical. He ain't going to rush me. I'm going to do this really slow, and I'm going to get in that athletic position so I can throw that thing and try and put barrel to baseball. And right now it's just in between and – He's forced. He's, you can tell he's pressing. Like he wants to be Vladdy. It's hard to do that sometimes. I mentioned on Blue Jays talk last night that Scott Service, the Mariners manager before the game, was talking about managing a team that has some young hitters when 
stuffed when it just kind of goes into a funk or any team when it goes into funk. And he talked about how uh, different teams, like there's really no, there's no cure-all for example, for a team that isn't hitting with runners in scoring position because he said, and I found this really interesting, he said different teams respond differently to different messaging. Like he said, with our team, we the, the message that seems to work with our guys is to be more attack-minded. Is that something the Jays, are the Jays guilty of that, of not being attack-minded? Or, like, how would that fit in with I, what, I, I with think what th- they do? I think they're too much that you way. You think they're too attack-minded? I, I do. I, I, I think... You're, when you're struggling and you know your buddies are struggling, what do you do? You try too much. You try too hard. Right. You try and expand. You want to be the guy. And then when you start expanding and you chase balls, and what when you do, you chase balls, you start to foul things off, and your mechanics with your swings telling you something when you're right. chasing, because most humans can't cover an area code at a plate. You just can't do it. You split the plate in half. I give you this half. And I'll take this half, depending on which half that I like right. to to think that I can hit the ball the hardest. When you start expanding and you start fouling balls off and then you you step out and your mechanics are telling you one thing and you're not doing another thing, and then you start thinking, well, is something wrong? And then when you start thinking too much, you, you try and correct things that aren't actually there. I've been there. I know this. I go in cages because I'm expanding and I'm just not getting to baseballs when the obvious answer is right in front of you. I can't hit everything. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I'm not capable of that. Even Bo Bichette can't do that. I tell you right now, if Bo Bichette would consistently get good pitches, I know you come on here and there's been other people come on here and say that he could win a batting title. He could if he gets a good pitch to hit, his pitch to hit. But with the way he attacks at bats, he's not always a hard out. The things that he does and tries to hit, to say that your mechanics almost have to be unbelievably perfect. Mm -hmm. Like you have to be balanced all the time. You have to be able to throw your hands at certain pitches and you have to do things that most human beings aren't capable of doing. And he's not, he's one of those guys that all the time can't do that. So a long winded answer there a little bit is it's better for me anyway. To be, so I was going to ask you, what's the flip side then? Be selective, get your pitch until two strikes. And then I battle, I I have a two strike approach, which a lot of guys don't have that. You know, you you can see the obvious guys. Bo has one, Matt Chapman has a little choke up. He's trying to throw, play pepper with the baseball. Uh, Vladdy doesn't have one. Vladdy is more of a mindset. He thinks more right center with Mm -hmm. two strikes than he actually does doing something differently mechanically. Uh, Lourdes doesn't really have one. Alejandro Kirk doesn't have one. Uh, Santiago Espinal doesn't have one. Like the two strike approaches are a little bit different, but I just think early in counts until you actually get to two strikes, especially with when there's when there's you know money to have put on your table, which mm-hmm. is exactly what runners in scoring position are. That's when the strike zone has to, for me, a little bit gets smaller, not bigger, because that's what hit, that's what pitchers are trying to do. They're trying to keep you from having getting a hit and having that guy score. So they want you to expand and get yourself out. Well, until they actually shrink that strike zone and say, okay, this is mine. This little box is mine until I get to two strikes. And then when I get to two strikes, I'll do what I have to do. But yeah, it's, it's interesting to hear different teams attack different situations in different ways. And it'll work for, for some teams. And that's why it's, it's the games of adjustments. And you hear everybody say that Guillermo Martinez has been saying that. Hunter Mance has been saying that when they stick a microphone in his face. Like you hear quite a few people say you have to make the adjustment to this level quicker. 
And I will say, I don't know about you, but the at-bats for the Blue Jays has gotten better. They have the last couple of days. It looks, I, I mean, we made the point on, on, on this show yesterday it, it, and on Blue Jays talk. It, it does look better. I, I, there's, I mean, even guys like Chapman, it, it looks better. There, there's a sense that perhaps something productive might happen. The one guy right now that to me looks just completely lost is Lourdes. Uh, that, you know, you talked about it last night. That at bat is first at bat of the game in the second inning. I mean, yeah, 97. It's right down the middle. Good fastball, but it was right down the middle. He took it. And it's almost like he's looking for a secondary pitch, which dude's 6'6", six, six, there's 97 to 99 miles seven, an hour. You're in the number seven spot, and they know you're not ball? hitting. Yeah, he's not. He's, that's sort of what it looks like. That's that's what I said. Sometimes you got to simplify it and, and just think about your zone, and I'm going to look for something straight. And in my zone, until I get to two strikes, I'm going to try and put my what, best swing on it. He's in between. You can and, see that. And what I found particularly frustrating there is that's an inning. Now, as it turns out, the Jays scored their three runs because Springer tripled. But that inning starts with Kirk doubling. Then Chapman's hit by pitch. And I'm thinking, okay, if you're Gurriel, there's two on, none out. Chances are, Logan Gilbert, at some point, you're going to get a good fastball in that at bat and you should be prepared to do damage. I do with I do know whenever I was struggling I, it was a lot of the times I wanted to pass the baton with a way of okay I'm not trying I don't want to hit in a double play here and kill this rally. I'd rather punch out really? because I'm okay. not feeling okay. well well it's you, you I mean that's uh, listen I I, I you, can't get in If you've noticed this. the balls he hits are on the pull side on the ground when he does hit a ball hard. It's rare right now uh, that he'll good. stay up the middle the other way just well you you noticed the film they were showing on Sportsnet there during the game of Bo and and Lourdes and and one of the coaches uh It was Luis. Yeah, Louis yeah. Rivera were standing and and Bo was doing the look to me like get your foot down and try and stay through the baseball. Short to it and long through it. And that's sort of what Bo was trying to do is, but you have to get in that little, you know, with your lower half a little bit quicker. And there's a lot going on on in there. That's why I said struggling at the big league level, especially now with the way as hard as these guys throw and, as, and you know, as much as you're seeing secondary pitches, it gets, I've been in those spots where I'd rather punch out than kill rallies. And it just looked like that was what he was going through. Well, for the second night, the Jays had a shortened bullpen. Uh, Charlie, Rom- uh, Charlie Romano, Char- Charlie Montoya. Don't let it. I know. Don't let it beat you, <laughs> Charlie. Mo- Charlie Montoya. God, at least I didn't call him Charlie Manuel. Charlie Montoya telling us yesterday before the game that's hap- It's going to happen at some point because mm. there's that metal block there. Told us last night before the game that um, Jordan Romano was not available yesterday because of non-COVID illness. And, and he is day-to-day now. As, as we mentioned, he was in the dugout two nights ago, in the bullpen two nights ago. He was not throwing, but he was up shadow throwing or however you want to describe what he was doing. And, and so he, he was clearly, he wasn't isolating from, from his team. He was clearly with everybody else. But he wasn't available last night. As a result, Kevin Adams Simber got back-to-back save opportunities for the Blue Jays. So uh, we know that Tim Mays is out for a while. We still haven't received anything definitive on that. Jordan Romano for these couple of days is not available. Um, it really is true. You can never have enough pitching, but I guess the question we'll ask Shai Davidi when he joins us, the question we'll ask him is last year, it was in June, mind you, but last year, 
Ross Atkins moved ahead of the trade deadline to address bullpen issues. This is different. I understand. And we need to see what the medical status of Tim Mays is. But is there a chance, given where the Jays are, given what they're going through, that that this this team may look at trying to make a move to bring another arm in here? Shai Davidi will join us next. It's Baseball Central on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we're going to have to put a little jar here. And every time I say Baseball Central instead of Blair and Barker, I'm going to have to give... Like a drop of toonie in it. I, I don't know what it is, man. It's been like, what, two days in a row. Why is it tough? Turn the page. I don't know. Is it the, maybe the dog days? It's not a matter of turning the page. Are the dog days here early? I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. A reminder that Mr. Barker and myself will be in Blue Jays talk following every Blue Jays game. Uh, most of the Blue Jays games, I should say, this year will be on tonight after the uh, Jays and Mariners game. Of course, tomorrow we will have no Blue Jays talk because there's no Jays game. They have tomorrow off, and then they welcome the Cincinnati Reds into town on the weekend. And if you're not doing anything Saturday, folks, I would suggest you come down to the ballpark to see Hunter Green. Unless you've seen a dude throw 102 before, maybe, and... Rodas Chapman. So close and personal with that. Luis Castillo, too, they're getting on Friday, which is the Bugs Bunny change. I was going to say, can you imagine two guys that are... It's not going to be an easy... Uh, an easy it's not going to be comfortable two it's games. It's not going to be. No, it's not going to... you got a bunch of right-handed hitters. You're going to get a bazillion mile-an-hour fastball and a, and a, you know, a Bugs Bunny change-up and then that big yak and Hunter Green slider that he likes to throw. You, you better like you better zone up. <laughs> yeah, and uh, before that... Before that that game, before the Reds come in town, of course, Kevin Gossman uh, takes the mound tonight against Marco Gonzalez. Gossman is three and two, and uh, I tell you what, he's walked he's walked guys back to back games. He, he he needs to get it back, Gossman. I'm a little worried about him. I would be too. I'm a little worried about him. The strikeout to walk ratio is now. Anyhow, let's bring in Shai Davidi, MLB columnist and insider sports. Now, hello, Mister Davidi. And uh, I think you guys are on the, the crisis with uh, Kevin Gossman's command. Absolutely, <laughs> all over it, all over it, man. I mean, it's it's got to be the number one the number one topic. I it, it's right up there with Matt Chapman's defense and my list of things to uh, my list of things to worry about with this team. Um, hey, uh, before I want to talk about your article in George Springer because it, you know this is knock on wood. Well, there's no wood here. That's plastic. But pretend it's wood. You know, with, with the exception of that uh, that game he missed as a result of the of, of the mild sprain, healthy George has really, really had an impact on this team. Obviously, and we've talked about it a lot. That I I find myself shy. I don't know about you, but I find myself kind of wondering what last year's team would have been like had they had a healthy Springer to go along with Marcus Semi and doing what he was doing, but. We'll talk about that later. I, I want to talk about the uh, the bullpen situation with the Blue Jays right now. Do we know anything further on Tim Meza? And sorry, go ahead. 
Yeah, no, not yet. He, uh, we were told yesterday that he was getting a second opinion, and and you know when Charlie was asked directly, is that because it's something you think it's something serious? He said, you know, right now we don't. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. Usually when there's a second opinion. It's because there's, uh, you know, something that's not clear in the first. Uh, but this could also just be an extra layer of caution with a guy who's, you know, had Tommy John surgery and has had a few, you know, a few short stints uh, on the IL since. And, you know, sometimes being cautious makes, makes more sense, uh, especially with someone who's as valuable as he is. And the understanding with Romano is it's just day-to-day with a, with a non-COVID illness, so... Um, he could be available today. One would one would presume. Potentially, it depends. You know, he. Uh, you know, I asked if uh, you know the illness was of the type that would require him to be isolated from the team, uh, and and it's apparently not contagious enough for that to be a factor. So I would guess it's just a matter of when he's going to be okay. Uh, but you know, especially with you know, them being down a few arms uh, and, and having, having some heavy usage in recent days, you know, if, if they thought this was going to be something that would last, then I would have thought they, they'd put him on the injured list and, and get somebody up here to help out. And so the fact that they haven't done so yet, uh, you know, at least suggests there's a pathway to a quicker return. Where, where do you think the bullpen ranks right now in the things that Ross Atkins is really – paying attention to. I know we have the draft coming up and typically that tends to suck up a lot of the organizational oxygen from this from from this point until the the draft happens. But once the draft is over, I you know, it, 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 sort of the conventional wisdom is you start hearing more about trades. Uh where does the bullpen rank do you think in Ross Atkins I'm going to say to-do list or to monitor list at this point in time? Well, on the monitoring list, I would say it's it's second to figuring out the offense right now, right? I mean, the, the reason, the primary reason the Blue Jays are in the position that they're in is thanks to the starting pitching, which, you know, day in and day out is giving them a chance to, to win a ball game uh, and getting deep enough that the load on that, on that bullpen isn't too, too strong. But you know, as as this season has played out, I think that you can look at it and say maybe a bit more swing and miss would be good there, particularly in the in the leverage innings. Um, you know, the, it's been they haven't been able to sort of optim, optimally align for a bit. Uh, you know, they, when they had that good fifteen and eight stretch at the beginning, you know, I think that was you know the the peak of you know uh, of how that bullpen could operate. You know, and at that point, you know, they were getting enough swing and miss. They were, they were effective. Uh, but, you know, some of that has regressed mm-hmm. since. And, you know, with Adam Simber, you know, he's pitching to contact. He's looking to induce contact, right? right? So, you know, most of the time that works, but there are times he's going to get babbipped. And there are times where guys are going to square him up like uh, they did in that, that Yankees game in Toronto. So, you know, I think... Uh, as they sort of look towards what kind of tweaks and adjustments they, they'd want to make, you know, looking for some more swing and miss would make sense. But that could also potentially come internally. You know, and Nate, Nate Pearson is going to throw in an extended league game later this week. So he's on track. And while the, the plan is to still build him up as a starter, 
you know, maybe this is just transition time and get him in that bullpen. You know, if Julian Merriweather figures it out and can be something akin to what he was like at the beginning of last season, well, suddenly your bullpen looks a little bit different. So, you know, I do think there's still some runway for them to figure out some things. And right now you've got a bullpen that's, you know, capable enough to get the job done. How much confidence do you think they have in Ryan Barucki? You know, he's, he's certainly going to get an opportunity right now. You know, this is with, with while Mesa's out, however long that is, you know, Barucki is the guy. Like, he's got the repertoire. You know, he could be very much like Tim Mesa. You know, it's not exactly the same, but, you know, it's, it's a big fastball from the left side. It's a slider, you know, and he's had so many stops and starts since he's transitioned to the bullpen in 2020. You know, both uh, both physical and few performance-wise elements. You know, if he gets on, you know, if he's figured out some things and he's changed his delivery a little bit this year. Um, you know, he worked with Anthony Telford during the lockout in Florida, and uh, he was, you know, he suggested to him that instead of kind of just, you know, having his hands start the motion, you know, timing his, his the raising of his hands with the leg kick might allow him to have a bit better command. He's really liked it. He, he finds that that's working for him. You know, if that's allowing him to spot up that fastball and, you know, rip off that slider a little bit more consistently, you know, that could be a weapon. So I think the, the Blue Jays are intent on giving him some runway. Right now, out of necessity, he's going to get a significant opportunity against lefties and leverage. And, you know, this is, this is a time where we're going to find out if, you know, that, all that potential is going to turn into a leverage arm. Chad, do you have any idea? There, there's, we talk about the lineup all the time, and, and sometimes I think we give Vladdy sort of the benefit of the doubt. He'll figure it out. But you, you, you're watching him. He's, he's in between a lot of things. Like, I, you watch him when he's going well and everything just has nice, easy flow to it, and there's not a lot of thinking about it, and, you know, it's right center to left field line. Is there, is there an obvious thing that they think could fix him and get him back to that guy that's an aircraft carrier? Yeah, it's a good question. It's kind of funny because, like, he, he hasn't been himself, and yet he's still, you know, getting hits and mm-hmm. getting on base and making things happen. But you're right. I mean, the, there hasn't been that extended stretch where he puts the team on his back, and they sort of need that from him a little bit. Um, I wonder if once Tay Oscar gets going behind him and, you know, with, with George and, and Bo coming, coming around in front of him, if that may just sort of set the stage, I think that's one element. You know, the other thing, and, you know, I've asked Vladdy about this, and, you know, he refuses to use it as an excuse, but I think it's worth keeping in mind that, you know, it's just a few weeks ago still that, you know, he opened up, he had a, his finger was opened up for stitches. And, you know, even though he hit two more home runs in that game, generally trying to hit with stitches in your finger isn't a very pleasant thing. You know, he fouled the ball off his foot uh, that was pretty bad, you know, bad enough that he missed a game because he could barely get his shoe over his foot. You know, those are, you know, I wonder if that maybe he's just been a bit banged up too and that physically he hasn't been quite there. So, you know, I think there's some of that potentially in play as well. But, you know, I think, you know, Teoscar's still trying to find his timing. He's, He's still just trying to get that rhythm, get that, get locked in. You know, if that happens behind him, you know, I wonder how much everything else starts falling into place for for Vladdy. Shai, you spent a lot of time around that team the past couple of years. Um, Has George Springer, this is going to seem 
odd to say given his age, but I almost get the sense that he's he's growing into the role that you, we've now seen him assume with the Blue Jays, you know, calling the clubhouse meeting and kind of almost assuming that big brother role. I think it was probably there to a certain degree last year, but it, it's, it seems more pronounced this year. And I know, when, for example, when we had Dante on, Dante Bichette on, he talked about how Bo has just kind of glommed on to Springer because he said Bo is always liked superior athletes, right? He always read books on Kobe and Michael Jordan and, and, and Federer and guys like this. Those are kind of the guys that, that he looks up to. Have you, I'm not going to ask if you've been surprised at what, at the impact Springer has had on and off the field with this team, but it's greater this year, isn't it? Than it was last year. Yeah. Look, I think there are a couple of natural reasons for that too, right? Like last year he was, new to the club. So, you know, even though he's George Springer and he's coming in on the big free agent deal, he's not going to come in and say, you know, Hey, this is my team and blah, blah, blah. And, and just sort of run, run roughshod over everybody. Right. He, 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 he carefully made a point of building relationships and establishing ties and, you know, establishing credibility. And that allowed him to do that. Now, the other element too, is that he was hurt for right. a lot of the time and that, you know, you can't come in, be injured and then be like, yo, I'm team leader. Let's go. So, you know, I think those are a couple of dynamics that were there, but once he, he returned last year, you know, I, I, I speaking to a lot of different people, you know, I think they were very impressed, you know, both players and coaches and executives at the way he found opportunities to contribute to that team last year when he wasn't, uh, when he wasn't able to play, uh, even on Saturday when he had to sit out in Tampa, you know, the Blue Jays players were saying that, you know, he was right there on, on, on the bench with them. And they said, even though he's not playing, it's almost as if he was playing with the level that he contributes. You know, I think all those things have allowed him to really kind of take that step forward. You know, and the other thing is that he has to be the guy, right? It's, mm-hmm. There's no Marcus Simeon this year. Um, he's really the only veteran of, of stature from the position player side, you know, and obviously from the pitching staff side, you've got Ryu, you've got Gosman, you've got Barrios, but you know, those guys aren't going to sort of come in and, and start calling team meetings. You know, it has to be a position player that's going to do that. And so, you know, a lot has fallen onto George Springer in that regard because he's the, the sole sort of, you know, long-standing veteran position player. Uh, and, you know, he's done it all and, and found ways to both contribute to others and, you know, still deliver himself, which is a, a much taller order than I think most people understand. Shai, do you think Alejandro Kirk has done enough behind the plate and offensively to warrant them not carrying three catchers? So I think part of the reason they want to carry, well, I mean, the, the, the configuration now, this sort of there are a couple of reasons, right? Uh, it's one, you know, on a lot of days, if Danny Jansen's catching, the Jays are going to want Alejandro Kirk at DH. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the, the odds are really low, but it's not ideal having, you know, your backup catcher at, at DH. So, you know, they don't mind having the extra catcher. The other thing is that, you know, the Jays like the idea of Collins as left-handed bat being available off the bench or, you know, against certain righties that you can put him in at DH uh, to sort of give, give you that thump and maybe, you know, be able to run into one late in the game and, and change the game with one swing from the left side. 
you know, so I think that's part of what Collins is doing and part of why he's still on the roster. But, you know, in an ideal world, yeah, you're, you're at two catchers and you've got another position player who can give you a little bit more flexibility defensively in terms of usage around the diamond. But, you know, again, I think there's sort of a, a bigger picture of how they're set up right now that, you know, if the Jays were just going to go, you know, just be Jansen and Kirk, I don't think there are any concerns about defense or any of those things. It's more of the fact that they want Kirk's bat in the lineup at DH if he's not catching more often than not. And they're trying to find a way to not leave themselves exposed if something were to happen in a game. Shy, really good of you to join us. Thanks so much. Great stuff. Thank you. Thanks, man. Yeah, take, be well, guys. See ya. Shai Davidi, MLB columnist and insider with Sportsnet. Mm. The article in George Springer uh, on the field and off the field. Springer setting the tone for the Blue Jays is on Sportsnet.ca. And I mean, I said when Shai joined us, and I know I, you know, you talk about turning the page and everything, but Kevin, I really do wonder what a healthy George Springer all year long would have done to last year's team for last well, year's I'm team sure they... with Semyon, the year that Semyon had. I, I mean, I know you can't do it, but this is a team that missed the playoffs by one game, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure yeah. he would have helped. Yeah, he would have helped hide some things, some woes out of the bullpen, some guys when you open the gate that were running out of there. You were like, really? This is who we're running out of here, especially in minor league parks. But whenever Shy was talking and he was mentioning the three catchers and Zach Collins, and he said the thump off the bench, and I looked up his numbers. That's what I was doing on my phone right. there for people that's watching. He's one for his last seventeen with eight punches. I don't get it. This is my point about when I was talking about body type with Kirk and, and, you know, taking care of your body and acting and looking like a big leaguer. And you've noticed his last, I don't know, four or five games with Kirk, how when they can give him days off and not beat him up behind the plate, how much quicker his bat looks. I'm not sure they can afford to not have three catchers. If you're going to have Kirk on your team, I just don't know how you can do it. And and Zach Collins, for me, if I'm an opposing manager, I'm hoping you bring him off the bench. I think, no though. No offense. Yeah, no, listen, uh, I mean, Collins, Zimmer, and Tapia right now. Um, yeah. Well, it's really uh, Zimmer and, and Collins more are. More than ta- Tapia, yeah. Well, Tapia is a more rounded player. Yeah. He can give you something defensively. He can give no, you something I'm on saying, the bases. I, what I'm saying is that's your that's your left-handed not great. component it's your right point. now. <laughs> that's what I was that's <laughs> yeah. what I was trying yeah, to get exactly. at. Tapia is fine as how, how could I put this? If that's the bottom, that's fine. Sure. If Tapia is your 20 your the last guy there in you your go. roster, that's cool. That's good. Um you but you can have three or four of them is your point. It, yeah. He mm-hmm. there can't be two guys worse than him, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, you know, I I think Shy did Shy made a comment, though, that I also think ties in with that. You could get away with two catchers if you had somebody else DHing. You could do that. The, the, and this is why when you talk about adding balance to the lineup, to me, that's, that's the obvious place to add. You know, unless you're going to do something like bring in a lefty hitter and platoon with Lourdes in left, the only other place you are going to get that game-changing or impactful left-handed bat into the lineup on a day-to-day basis is as a DH. Like, ideally, you want Tapia to be a left-handed guy off the bench. That's what you want Tapia to be. So, I, you know, if I'm the Blue Jays and, and we know, and I went back and looked because you'd made a comment about stuff Mark and Ross said at the end of last year. They are aware. They came out and said that, that that balance 
was the most important thing they wanted to address in the offseason because they found late in games last year, a lot of times the platoon advantage worked against them. And I would suggest that issue hasn't been addressed, despite the fact you've made the deals. And again, I like Tapia. I'm not... I. I love having Tapia on the team because I think he he gives them something nobody else in that team has. I have no problem with him, but that's kind of not the impactful left-handed bat I need on this team. And and I don't know, you know, we we've run through the names, right? Uh, Andrew Benintendi, uh, e, you know, Ian Happ, a switch hitter. Um, uh, there there are, there are guys you can go through. And Austin Meadows, although Austin Meadows is. Kind of gives me more what I already have just from the left-hand side of the plate. I don't know if I want that. I want the, the left-handed guy I'm going to bring in. I want him to be able to have some sort of a, a measurable impact, you know, on the team. Yeah. And and that's that's kind of where we are. They, but but they, but yeah, I'm with you. As long as if if and, and I'm with you and Shy. If Kirk is going to be your primary DH, you need another. You need another catch. They really need to figure out a way to get Vladdy going. Like I understand he's got the, what is it, a 14-game hitting streak. I don't even pay any attention to that because hitting streaks are sometimes cloud over issues that a guy's having. It's just not driving baseballs. Like he's not hitting baseballs the way that I think he should be hitting them. Now, I know he's ran into some pretty good pitching, and they're trying to pitch around him. But he's going to have First, good... We even saw that yesterday he's with a guy gonna... that throws a bazillion miles an hour. Yeah. He was flipping sliders. When in doubt, they're going to pitch around him. But it's those... You know, when you're as good as he is, the the, the uh, I don't know. It's just it, it's puzzling. It, it really, I I get it. He's young. I get it. He's trying hard. Which, when you're young and you try hard, boy, that just those two things don't go together well, especially in baseball. The harder you try, the the you know the more you grip bats and the slower your bat gets, and then you're out and around. You're hitting ground balls to the pull side, which is exactly how he looks now. You're trying to invent ways to, to barrel up baseballs, which is not the easiest thing to do. But they got to figure that out. This offense will only take off, in my mind, if he gets going. We can say everybody else, the Lourdeses and, and the Bows and, and Teoscar, which all is going to help. But until big boy in the middle of the order starts figuring out how to just get it down and get it singing and say, I'm here, and I'm here the rest of the season, I know they're trying, but... It's not it's just not going to help anyway for him them to go out and, and try and find bats, left-handed bats, if Vladdy doesn't get it going. Vladdy has to go. Like, go. Figure it out. If you have to scoot closer to the plate, you have to do something outside the norm, do it. What you're doing now is not doing it when it comes to barreling up baseballs and exit velocity. That's the thing is, you look at the big boys, the two big boys of the Yankees, what do they do? They hit baseball so hard that people close their eyes. Mm-hmm. Vladdy's don't do that anymore. I'm, it's been a long sample size of it. And now it's time to figure out ways to get him going. I'm sure they're trying to have every khaki that they have to, to break it down. And where are you standing? Why are you standing here? Why are you not doing this? What if you do it this way? And there's a lot on his plate. But this is that's the first thing is figure out how to get him going. Hopefully to Oscar going. Maybe they'll get he'll get better pitches to hit. But for me, the last four or five games, he's gotten good pitches to hit. Have you seen them? They're on the plate. Yeah. And he'll overswing. He's out and this around. This is Teoscar you're talking about. No, no, this is Vladdy. Vladdy. He's out and around. He's late. Something's up. But he's getting better pitches to hit. Now it's up to him to start trying to figure out ways to, when he gets them, don't miss them. Yeah. Well, as we said, I, 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 I've I, always thought that people talk about protection as a uh, as a concept. I still believe you can get as much protection from the dude hitting in front of you 
as the guy hitting behind. But we you. have had people on here who have had really good hitters who yeah, have tried I to. I know. We asked Alex that. Yep. And Alex would give an answer differently than somebody that has Miguel Cabrera on their team. It's like if you're a good hitter and you get a good pitch, good hitters don't miss good pitches. Yep. Like they're going to get them, and then when they get them, they don't miss them. It really doesn't matter who's hitting around them. So well, it's, it's, I think it's, it's, it's time for Blatty. No, it's uh, that's that is apparent. Um, mm -hmm. And your righty is in the what is it? Fourteen game hitting streak. Fourteen game hitting streak. He's still but, getting his hits, but yeah, he's. It's. Uh, I mean, uh, to, I, to have a fourteen game hitting streak, you're right. You are. It's not like it's a. It's not like it's a desert, a dry hole. But we haven't. We just haven't seen that. We haven't seen that Vladdy moment enough this year. That, uh, you know. Well, we've really, we haven't really seen only that. seen one of those. That was the game in Yankee Stadium. Yeah. And the league made an adjustment. They can't go in there anymore. I don't have to go away and see if he can use the whole field. And for whatever reason, he's having issues doing that. Well, it's interesting watching the Mariners and has been interesting over these past couple of days because in a lot of ways, the Mariners are kind of where the Blue Jays are. Maybe you could argue that they might be a year behind the Blue Jays in terms of their in terms of their young players. Jared Kalenich has still not been able to to grab a spot and seize a spot and stick with it. But they do have Jose Rodriguez. They've got J.P. Crawford. Um, they've gone out and they've added some supporting players around these young guys. And they've got, of course, with the addition of Robbie Ray to go with some young starting pitching. They're a team that went into this year, I think, as a dark horse candidate to win a very tough division. But certainly, certainly a candidate to go in the playoffs. They've lost 15 of 20. And as we mentioned, there are some similarities between them and the Blue Jays. Manny Acta is the Seattle Mariners' third base coach. He's also a former manager in Cleveland and Washington. We'll talk to Manny about a young, scuffling team. Jays, Seattle Mariners. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.